Hey everybody, how you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. Man, it's unbelievable. It's Joe Biden. I think, you know, there were there was celebration in the streets over the weekend. Man, I think everyone is, well, at least a, a lot of our friends on the left, our Democratic friends are really excited about a Joe Biden presidency. And, you know, speaking for myself, I'm not really a Joe Biden fan, but I do take a little bit of joy in the notion of addition by subtraction, right? So I think the removal of President Trump is a good move. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Is Biden the answer? Um, not sure. We're going to kind of get into some issues about Joe Biden and some of the things he's likely to do in his first few days in office. And, and so we're, we're going to explore this a little bit, but just to tell you a story over the weekend, I was out and about here in Poway and I was driving to Costco. We make our run there, you know, once every couple of weeks to stock up. And I usually go to the Poway Costco rather than the Carmel Mountain one, because the one in Poway is easier to get in and out of. And bonus, I get to keep my tax dollars in town. But I went driving on Sunday after, well, Sunday late morning um, out there, Pomerado and Twin Peaks. Sure enough, man, the Trump people are out there. Um, I figured the Biden people might be there dancing in the streets on, on Sunday morning. But no, it was the Trump people out there taking over at least two of the street corners, waving their flags, you know, calling the election, uh, you know, the election being stolen. They felt like they were robbed. And I'm like, wow, you know what they say about President Trump? You know, he could shoot people on um, on Fifth Avenue. Avenue and his supporters would still be there for him. And it's so true. I mean, his his uh, his backers, man, they are there in the rain, in the inclement weather, waving their flags and people driving by honking horns. Um, it just it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I guess that loyalty is good, but maybe to a fault. I'm not sure. But I mean, come on, we got to read the writing on the wall, right? I mean, this election is, I mean, you know, Trump is going to challenge it. There's going to be a lot of legal battles. But I mean, you've got to be living in an alternate reality if you think this is going to be overturned. Um, I don't see that happening at all. I know Trump is going to battle it. He's going to fight till the end. Um, but I think he just wants to make sure that he goes down swinging. Um, but it, it's just something. And and then, you know, here at the local level here in San Diego County, it appears that all of our local elections are pretty much settled except for one. And it's the one that involves Poway Mayor Steve Voss. And I don't know if you're following this race, but it is insane close. I can't believe how close this race is. And this is for County Supervisor, San Diego County Supervisor District 2, which is East County. And Poway, yes, Poway is part of East County. For all of you in Padre Twitter that like to make fun of Poway, um, I guess according to the way the county draws the lines, Poway is East County. And it's Poway Mayor Steve Voss against longtime, you know, East County State Senator, East County Assemblyman Joel Anderson, a battle of two Republicans. And I checked the numbers before I started the podcast. There have been over 281,000 votes that have been placed on this race. And the difference is only 200 
out of 281,000. And so apparently Steve Voss has a 50.04% lead. Four one hundredths of a percent. He is ahead of Joel Anderson. And every time they have an update, that lead gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And so, like you know, I said in the last podcast, I'm sure the Voss family, man, right around five o'clock, they're they're pushing the reset button, the refresh button on their phone, their computer, their tablet, waiting for the next update. So I guess we'll get another update here today at five and we're going to find out, you know, and this has big implications here in our hometown of Poway, because if if the mayor, if Steve Voss wins this race, it opens up the mayoral seat and there's going to be a shuffling of the deck on the Poway City Council. So I'm very interested to see what happens with this race. But but today we're going to talk about Joe Biden and Liberty. And you're thinking Biden and Liberty, those two don't go together, right? And generally speaking, that's true. But there's a, there's some things I think that are worthy of talking about. There's some things I think Biden is going to do that's going to be helpful for the cause of liberty. And we're going to kind of get through it. But, you know, just want to welcome you all. This is a live stream. You know, we do this every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 2 p.m. And we live stream on YouTube and on Facebook. And thanks for joining us. You know, I know. see we already got some people online right now. Uh tuning in. Uh, but you know, this is a live stream. So your participation is welcome. If you have any questions or comments, just type them into the comment section on your Facebook feed or on your YouTube feed. I'll read them on the air and we'll have a conversation here. But this is a podcast. It's all about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And and so Biden is our new president. We're going to talk about liberty. We're going to kind of weave it around a little bit. Um, but just another kind of a thing to say off the top, we really encourage you know, you, any support you can offer, any likes. If you like the episode, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate you subscribing. You can subscribe on our YouTube channel um, with the little red box beneath the uh, the video. Click on the bell and you'll get updates when we go live. Uh, but any kind of support would be so appreciated. You know, like, subscribe, share, and help spread the word. Um, all right. So Joe Biden and Liberty. But now this this election, there were a number of bright spots. Okay, now, if you are a Trump fan, I don't know if you're a Trump fan, you're a Biden fan. You know, for me, I didn't like either one of them. Uh, Neither one of them really supported our inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. They all wanted more central power, central control, more manipulation over society, culture, the economy. They just kind of came at it from two different perspectives. And so, again, I'm, I'm pleased that Trump has lost, but I'm not necessarily happy that Biden won. But still, through this election process, there have been some bright spots. And, you know, we've had five states that have approved um, the legalization or the decriminalization of some drugs. And this is a good thing. And I think this is something that we really need to understand better. Now, obviously, we don't want people out on the streets doing drugs and getting high and and wasting their life away. That's not what this is about. But. When we have more relaxed drug laws, when marijuana is not just decriminalized, but legalized, when Oregon makes magic mushrooms 
decriminalized and even minimizes the uh, penalties for possession. The good news is, is it it gets our police force refocused so they can actually go after violent crime and property crime and the more serious crimes in society rather than going after people that are using drugs or buying and selling drugs. You know, by doing so, where there's going to be less police violence, there's going to be less police brutality. We're not going to be having people like Breonna Taylor losing her life in a drug raid in her place of, you know, in her home. Um, there's so much upside to seeing some of these laws relax. And, you know, we should have learned the lesson a long time ago when alcohol was made, um, you know, when there was prohibition of alcohol in the 20s, eventually, you know, we came to our senses, we legalized alcohol and, you know, violence went down, gang activity went down, um, gun violence went down and society was better off by making it legal and just making sure you keep an eye on people's behavior. So we're seeing that's a bright spot and that's a big win for Liberty that we're seeing. It was five States and I can't remember the five. I know, um, I know three of them actually legalized marijuana recreationally. Two of them um, legalized it for, or excuse me, decriminalized it for medical marijuana. Now, Joe Biden claims that they want to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. And I think that's good. But, you know, for the longest time, Biden was one of the sticks in the mud amongst the Democrats that was against the legalization of marijuana. And I think the progressives kind of got to him and were able to twist his arm for the agenda and the platform that he ran for president. So we'll see if it happens. Um, I know it's still a schedule one narcotic, which means that it can't even be studied. And, and, and there's a lot of problems with this, but I think it's great to see progress. We're moving the needle in that direction. I think also from the perspective of liberty, I think the other piece of good news coming out of this election is that democratic socialism has you know, it wasn't formally defeated, but definitely it was kept at bay. You know, Bernie didn't win. Elizabeth Warren didn't win. Um, the more, you know, kind of moderate, the more corporate, the more um how should I say, middle of the road, Democrat won with Joe Biden. So I think that's good news. I mean, democratic socialism, I know a lot of people like it and they want to be just like Denmark and they want to have socialized health care and, and all of these other policies that they tout in these other nations. But every time those are implemented, it limits people's liberty. It coerces them and it has a lot of unintended consequences. And so the fact that we're able to keep this at bay is good. Now, I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to happen. I think single payer health care will happen in America at some point. Biden, at least his plan for um, health care amongst any sort of a government plan to me, if you had to have a government plan for health care, which I don't think you should. But if you do, at least his plan is the most sensible of them. And that's the public option. You know, that people can choose to purchase the, the government option. And if they and they can compare that and, and and have private insurance carriers competing. To me, that makes reasonable sense if you want the government to be involved in the healthcare system. But at any rate, there was at least a temporary defeat of democratic socialism. I'll take that as a bright spot. The other interesting part of this is that we're ending up now with a democratic president and a 
I wouldn't say a Republican Congress, but we're having a Republican Senate. I mean, I guess there's is there a chance that the, the Senate could be a 50 50? I think there are those two runoffs that are going on in Georgia. But my understanding is, is it's probably going to still be a Republican majority in the Senate. And sure, the, the Democrats have the House. Now, it was interesting, by the way, that the Republicans actually gained seats in the House, which was amazing. And you know, I would never would have thought that would have happened. But we um, now we have uh, a, eventually it's a split situation. We have the White House is Democratic. The Congress, at least, is partially controlled by the Republicans in the Senate. This could be a good thing. I mean, the last time we had this was when. President Clinton um, in the 1990s. And there we saw that the Republicans behaved a lot better when they were in the minority. And they actually, for real, tried to control spending. Now, again, you know, people make fun of the Republicans and and say that, oh, now that they're in the minority, we're going to hear the Republicans going on and on about the national debt and spending limits and the Tea Party may be coming back. And it's hypocrisy because when the Republicans are in power, they spend like drunken sailors. And all of that is 100 percent accurate. I mean, Trump got into office even before covid. He jacked up spending radically, even after promising he would pay off the entire national debt in eight years. But at least what history has shown is that when we have a Democrat in the White House and we have at least some Republican control over Congress, it kind of that gridlock, that that division of power kind of keeps both extremes at bay. And that's why in the 90s we saw spending increase very slowly. Um, And a lot of that was because of the limits that the Republicans put on President Clinton. And so and that and then we saw uh, some taxes come down even in that time frame. In 1997, the capital gains taxes came out because the Democrats had to compromise with the Republicans. In many ways, that's a good thing for liberty, at least relatively speaking, because usually when one party has full control, liberty gets thrown into the back seat and we get all of these radical agendas. So I'm usually if I'm a fan of, you know, of course, individual rights, free markets, capitalism. But if we can't have that, then I like having gridlock uh, because it prevents the kookies on the the kooky left and the kooky right from getting their way. And it keeps them, you know, it, it ties their one hand behind their back. So we can't see the crazy policies from the two extremes of the two parties. So that's good. I think there are some bright spots in this election. Now, The other thing that I liked, and I commented about this on a blog post recently, that one of the messages we saw from Joe Biden on Saturday night, you know, we were watching the Clemson Notre Dame game and and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden preempted it, which was worthy. That made sense. And they gave their um, victory speeches. And the rhetoric you heard there was really good. And a lot of it kind of you know, it sounds good, but you wonder how much it's going to be put into motion. And they would talk about America, the land of possibilities and of opportunity and having, you know, liberty to pursue our own life and and to prosper. And that sounds good. But from Democrats, it still sort of rings hollow to me. But um, at any rate, Biden really coming up with this message of unity. Right. And this I like the message. I don't know how in the hell he's going to do it, but he says, I don't see red states and blue states. I see the United States and I want to be president of 
all of America, all 50 United States. And I want to bring people together. And again, that's a great message. Now, President Trump was the opposite. He was all about division and dividing people and and creating um, chaos and getting us all fighting amongst each other because he thrives on that chaos. So Biden wanting to pull people together in a in a unity manner, I think, is a great thing. But still, you still see some rhetoric from Biden that is divisive. And this all goes back to identity politics. And like, I get why people are celebrating Kamala Harris It's the first woman we've had as a vice president. She's a woman of color. She's black. She's Indian, um, you know, Asian Indian. Um, and people are celebrating that and Biden wanting to make his cabinet and his administration look like America. But I still have uh, of the belief that while I understand that, I understand that we need to judge people as individuals, not as members of a race or an ethnicity. And we don't want to have one race or one ethnicity dominating, um, you know, the way of life in America. The more focus we put on on race, in my opinion, is going to create more division because uh, it's naturally divisive because we all have different races. So I, I'm concerned about that. I think if we want to have a message about unity, we should be bringing people together rather than amplifying their differences, um, finding where we have commonality. We're all humans. We all are here to live our lives and to prosper. And that's the kind of unifying message we need is where we can come together like the overlap of a Venn diagram where our goals and our values are aligned. And that's what Biden needs to figure out. But you didn't really see too much of that in his in his victory speech about really what are the key messages that he can get all 50 states to rally around to he can get the Trump supporters to come over and support his agenda. What is that message that's going to unify America? What is he going to do to do it? And um, I think. The opportunity is if he if he um, grasps onto the the COVID crisis, if he can focus on COVID, helping the nation overcome this pandemic, that's the way he can bring America together. Not not unlike the way George W. Bush, um, you know, brought America together after the attack on 9-11. It usually takes a crisis to bring people together. But what we had is a crisis in America with this pandemic that ended up dividing America. It did the exact opposite uh, because our leaders were resistant and were putting friction into the system, preventing scientists from doing science. Um, So at least Biden is going to embrace scientists. He's already putting together a panel of um, who he wants to bring on to help overcome this pandemic. And I I think that's great news. Um, I think it'll depend on how he does it. We're already hearing about a mandatory mask mandate across America. That's that's an attack on liberty. But it depends how it's framed. It's depend. It depends on how it is implemented. And I think um, we have to be careful on how he goes about this. Bruce McCoy joining on the live stream. He says, because of the increase in U.S. population in diversity and density, do you think the evolutionary swing of the political pendulum is trending more towards the left side? So the right side weakens 
individual liberty lessons, why would the right give that up for unity if we're trending left? This is a really good question, Bruce. Now, a lot of people will say that America is is becoming more conservative because corporations are dominating. Corporations are dominating government. Um, We're seeing, you know, Trumpism and the Republicans still have a grip on huge parts of America. Some people think that conservatism is rising. I disagree. And on this point here, Bruce, I agree with you. I think this nation is moving left. It's been moving left for over 100 years. Um, We saw it with FDR's policies of Social Security and and coming out of the Great Depression. We saw it in um, uh, LBJ with Medicare and the war on poverty. Um, We've seen this not just from Democrats, but even from Republicans. We saw it with George Bush expanding Medicare with prescription drug coverage and his his so-called compassionate conservatism. We're seeing more and more collectivism. I mean, heck, even President Trump, when he was a candidate, ran on universal health care. He promised there would be universal health care where if private companies didn't provide it, the uh, federal government would and taxpayers would pay. Now, he never implemented it. Um, He never put together a health plan. But I think I agree with you, Bruce. I think we are we are trending towards the left. Our, Our Democratic friends, our progressive friends are probably pleased to hear that. But the thing is, is I don't think Trump and I don't think Republicans really stand for individual liberty, like you say. And we're going to get into some of this because the Republicans were were thwarting liberty. They were setting up walls on the southern border. They were for blocking immigrants, blocking legal immigration. They were for trade wars with China and tariffs and taxation and blocking free trade. So the Republicans aren't for individual liberty either. You see people on the street corners here, like in Poway, on the intersection of Pomerado and Twin Peaks, all about liberty and America and freedom. But a lot of times they want freedom and liberty for themselves, but they want to block the liberty and freedom for other people. I mean, we see that in the abortion issue. Um, that's a that's a really obvious one. And for the longest time, we saw that in the gay marriage issue. Finally, the Republicans came around and embraced at least the liberty of consenting adults to marry. Uh, that was nice to see that evolution. We still see a lot of resistance from our friends on the right to things like drug laws, that they want to keep a lot of these uh, drugs illegal. I mean, if you're for individual liberty, then people should have the liberty to Use marijuana. I mean, after all, it's a lot safer than alcohol. Uh, Marijuana is a medicine. It gives veterans with PTSD great relief. A lot of and we were discovering magic mushrooms is, is a great potential cure for depression. And many people with depression have seen huge gains. People that are addicted to cigarettes have taken magic mushrooms and have been able to fight that addiction. But a lot of times our friends on the right don't want to legalize drugs. So I wonder, by supporting Republicans, are we really supporting individual liberty? I say no. Um, I'm of the belief that the Republicans and Democrats are way, way, way more similar than they are different. If we want to have um, something to push back on leftism and progressivism, we need to have a party or a movement that 
embraces not collectivism, but individualism, that embraces free trade and capitalism, and that embraces our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And right now, there is no significant movement for that. Um, And that concerns me. Um, So is the right going to give up individual liberty? I don't know if the right ever embraced individual liberty in the first place, Um, but we'll see. Um, I think there is an opportunity for Joe Biden to bring America together to overcome this pandemic. And if he's able to successfully do it, um, we're going to see the economy open up again, which will be a victory for liberty. We're going to see people have more freedom and control over their own lives. That will be a victory. The question is, is how Biden goes about implementing it. And I know some of his options are, you know, the, the, the horses have left the barn. It's hard to control the virus right now. I see that a vaccine has been developed that I think, if I read correctly, has 90 percent efficacy. Um, That's great news. Um, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. But if a vaccine is potentially available, hallelujah, uh, that we could be turning the corner. We'll see. Now, some people said, oh, it was just conveniently announced right after the election. I know President Trump was talking about it for a long time. But if we can rally around overcoming this pandemic, that is how Biden can bring the country together. But he has to. This is where I think Trump was resistant to science, was mocking people for wearing masks. I think Biden has an opportunity to embrace science, but he has to find a way to thread the needle to still allow for individual liberty while also supporting science. I think mask mandates make a great deal of sense in places of business. Um, I think mask mandates make sense in those cases where companies establish their own policy. Because, of course, they don't want their customers potentially getting infected. But if people are going to be ticketed for not wearing uh, masks or thrown in jail for not wearing masks, then we got a problem. Um, So I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. Um, But moving on, I think the other interesting thing we're going to see from Joe Biden once he comes uh, and takes office is he's already said he's going to be issuing executive orders to, in many cases, undo President Trump's executive orders. And, you know, I'm not a fan of executive orders because it's best if we allow government to work properly. We have three co-equal branches of government. Congress needs to pass legislation. The president needs to sign those bills and the Supreme Court can interpret, you know, for constitutionality. But executive uh, orders essentially make Congress irrelevant. It allows the president with a pen to enact policy all on his own. Uh, That's dangerous. That's potentially tyrannical. Um, But it wasn't Trump that did it. Obama did it. I mean, most presidents have done it to many uh, varying degrees. When Trump enacted a lot of these things, he was only able to they were kind of shallow executive orders. He could modify the way regulatory agencies worked, but EOs are so easily overturned. I mean, that's now Trump. I mean, Biden's going to be president. He's just going to overturn him. So, um, you know, just thinking about this, Trump campaigned on deregulation. And I like that in him. Um, 
he implemented some of it as EOs, but man, he missed a golden opportunity to implement deregulation um, through the legislative channels so that it would go deeper and be more effective and ultimately be harder to overturn. And when I, I talk about deregulation a lot, and usually when you bring up deregulation, my friends on the left completely freak out and think we're going to be you know, putting poison in the air and poison in the water. And that's not what I'm talking about. Right now, our economy is heavily, heavily, heavily regulated. I mean, the government is, you know, with their, I talked about George Bush and Medicare Part D, prescription drugs. There are regulations that exist that prevent the renegotiation of pricing. These regulations keep medicine prices artificially high. Um, in a lot of ways, regulations exist as a tool of corporate establishment to rig the market for them and to block competitors. But you know who was really good at deregulation? And you might think, oh, it must have been Bush. No. Was it Bush Sr.? No. Oh, Reagan, of course, right? Reagan must have been great for deregulation. No, it was Jimmy Carter. And, you know, I go, I look back in my lifetime. I'm 55 right now. Who was the best president of my lifetime? I often think it could be Jimmy Carter because what he did for deregulation was awesome. He deregulated trucking. He deregulated airlines. What happened? We now have more choices, more options, lower prices, and overall better. Because before we had trucking companies that had cornered the market, uh, trucking companies that had obtained licenses and were bartering and brokering licenses, trucking companies making tons of money that never actually had trucks because they were able to capture licenses and manipulate the market that way. But you know what else President Carter deregulated that we all are enjoying right now? Beer. <laughs> President Carter deregulated the beer industry, and man, we are better off for it. I mean, back then in the 70s, um, it was illegal to do home brewing. It was illegal unless you got all kinds of um, approvals because of the excessive regulations. It was illegal to start your own brewery. There were very few breweries that existed, um, well under 100 that existed in the 1970s. But now what's happened since beer has been deregulated? There is a flourishing of beer. There is companies that have come forward like Stone Brewing here in, in San Diego and um Ballast point. And I, mean, I can go down the list. There are a million great beers that have come forward. You know, one of my favorite ones is Racer 5. You ever had that? That's well, that's made by, is it called Bear Brewing? I can't remember the name of it, but it's up near Humboldt. Really good beer. But in the 1970s, that would have been illegal. But deregulation what it does is it opens up markets for entrepreneurs to be free and to have the liberty to come in and create product, create services, and compete against the big boys. And now Anheuser-Busch and Coors are not the only games in town. Now there's many. And it's even forced those companies, those establishment companies, to innovate and to come up with their own uh, new beers and to be better. And then, yeah, sometimes they're buying some of the smaller breweries, but then new breweries are popping up like a game of whack-a-mole. You can't keep them all down. Deregulation is good, but President Trump failed. He had a Republican uh, Congress 
in his first um, you know few years of his presidency, and he failed to pass through substantial deregulation, even though he campaigned on it. So he did it by EO, and now Biden is going to be president. He's probably going to flip those back in the other direction, and it's a shame. But already, Joe Biden has announced five executive orders that he will implement on day one. (laughs) And this is like, I remember Kamala Harris, when she ran for president, she said, on day one, I'm going to do this and this and this. And you're thinking, these are people that say they're all for democracy, right? (laughs) If you're for democracy, you should be for the democratic process and letting the House vote and the Senate vote and the president to do what they do and sign legislation. But instead, you know, on day one, the president's going to be a dictator. And there, in many cases, he's going to flip the switch on the Trump EOs, which, again, I don't like EOs. But if you're going to use an EO to unwind a previous EO, then I guess it's OK. But there's some good ones that he's going to do. Now, the first one is they're going to rejoin. America is going to rejoin the Paris Accord. And I, I, mean, I think this is a good thing. I mean, I think climate change is real. I mean, it's scientific. If we're going to fight climate change, you can't have America independently doing whatever they're doing. California can't independently do what California is trying to do. You need a, a cooperative effort. You need cooperation. Now, does that mean the Paris Accord is going to impact America's sovereignty so that some third party is going to be able to rule over American law? No. In fact, I've heard stories, I don't know if this is true, that America, as far as carbon emissions, is is doing better than the proposals that America originally um, made for itself in the Paris Accord. So we're already outperforming our original goals. And that's great news. And, you know, I own an electric car. We have actually we have two electric cars, a Tesla Model 3 and a Hyundai Kona. My wife drives the Tesla. I drive the Hyundai Kona. We love them. They're great cars. And and you know what? We power them off of our solar panels. These are electric vehicles powered by the sun. And they're awesome. The technology is great. The cars perform really well. They're fun to drive. There's all kinds of gizmos and gadgets. And we don't pay a a nickel for gasoline. We power it off the, the solar panels on our roof. It's awesome. And... You know, we pay a ton of money in taxes to the federal government, to the state government. Oh, my God. I mean, taxation locally for property taxes is insane. But by getting an electric car, we're able to kind of play the game and we're able to recoup some of our tax dollars back. That's, you know, it's not my preference that the government offers rebates to people that buy electric vehicles. But my pragmatic sense says, you damn well, I'm going to take advantage of it. And by having an electric vehicle, I can drive in the HOV lane on the 15 freeway by myself for free. <laughs> it's great. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of a lot of this, um, you know, green movement um, as far as having people voluntarily participating in this. So I think Biden undoing um, what Trump did by re-entering the Paris Accord, I think is great. I think we've got to, we can't have a sort of go it alone mentality. We've, we've got to cooperate. Now, we got to find ways to cooperate that's win-win, right? We can't have win-lose or lose-win. We got to cooperate and do so where it's to our advantage. And 
we got to at least get in the arena. We got to get in the ring. We've got to get on stage. So we may as well join the Paris Accord. I think that's good. Um, the other thing that he wants to do is rejoin the World Health Organization, the WHO. And I know there's been criticism of the WHO, but the pandemic is worldwide. So you may figure, let's join the World Organization and communicate and discuss and debate the issues. And we may, you know, our U.S. representatives with interacting with the WHO may agree, may disagree, but at least we're not shutting ourselves off from the rest of the world. The pandemic doesn't know borders. That's a good thing. He's going to reverse that EO. But there are three other EOs that Biden has already announced he's going to do, and all three of them are a victory for liberty. Yes, Joe Biden and liberty, in some cases, go together. Imagine that. And that's good. Um, one of them is, is that he's going to repeal the ban on immigration from Muslim-majority companies, uh, countries. So you remember President Trump, actually, this is the funniest thing, is when President Trump was a candidate in 2015 and 2016, remember he was up on stage in the debates and said, you know, he wanted to ban Muslims from entering America. And he had that one press conference. He goes, I, Donald J. Trump, so hereby ban, all, um, you know, he wants to ban all Muslims from entering America. But he couldn't get, get away with it. You know, the court said no. I mean, that's a violation of the First Amendment. Now here, and here's, you know, the Republicans say they're for the Constitution and President Trump wants to violate people's uh, freedom of, of religion. Um, and, but they were able to kind of backdoor it and say, well, if you come from any of these countries, which, by the way, had Muslim majorities, you can't come to America. Well, Biden wants to reverse that He because Trump did it through executive order. Biden wants to reverse it. I think that's great. Um, I think this nation, the United States of America, is a nation of immigrants. All of us, every one of us, even the Native Americans, are their ancestors were immigrants. Because even the Native Americans, their ancestors crossed the Bering Strait. You know that land bridge between, um, you know, Russia that Sarah Palin could see from her backyard, um, and Alaska. So. My my ancestors came from Ireland. Maybe your ancestors came from Europe or Asia or Africa or from South America um, or other parts of Latin America. And this is a nation of immigrants. That's why the, the Statue of Liberty, right? Talking about liberty and Joe Biden. The Statue of Liberty, give us your poor and huddled masses, man. It, the Statue of Liberty is that beacon of hope for immigrants when they come to America, that they can f prosper in a land of opportunity. They can have the liberty to live their lives and pursue their happiness. That's a beautiful thing. But Trump, when he ran for office, remember, he came in, like went down the escalator in Trump Tower and said, well, I'm going to, you know, the Mexicans are a bunch of, you know, thieves and rapists, but, you know, some of them are good. Um, but he wanted to build a wall, a big wall, a beautiful wall. And he wanted to block illegal immigration. That was the pitch. We got to block illegal immigration. But you know what? He wanted to block legal immigration, too. He wanted to block, block the legal immigration policy for people to come to America if they happen to come from certain countries that have Muslim majorities. So Biden is going to overturn that and allow people to immigrate here. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing for liberty. The other thing that um, Biden wants to do is he wants to reinstate DACA. That's the Deferred Action Child Arrivals Program. And this is the one where kids 
that entered illegally as small children with their parents. Well, you know, if you're three years old and you come to America, you know, and you've lived here your whole, essentially your whole life as an illegal immigrant, um, those people, they, they shouldn't be deported. And that's what DACA does. It kind of temporarily prevents them from being deported. It, and it's renewed every couple of years. And Biden is going to overturn Trump's um, ban on DACA. You know, he's going to allow DACA to go back in place, which was an Obama policy, you know, back when Biden was president. That's a good thing. And then the dreamers are the next extension of that, where now these children of illegal aliens, they at least have an opportunity to be here legally. There's a pathway to legal residency, not necessarily a pathway to citizenship, although there should be. But if children came to America and they happen to have parents that entered illegally, the children shouldn't be penalized. Frankly, the parents shouldn't be penalized. I mean, I would love to see an uh, immigration policy that was cheaper, faster, and less expensive so more people can immigrate to America just like my ancestors did when they escaped the potato famine in Ireland and came here to seek better opportunity. Immigration is one of the most beautiful things of America's uh, history, and it's something that we should continuously embrace. It's what makes America great. Um, but Trump claimed he wanted to ban illegal immigration, but he also banned legal immigration. Now Biden wants to overturn that. Another victory for liberty. That's great news. And then one more is um, President Trump enacted a ban in the military on transgender and Biden wants to overturn that. Now, this one is, it depends how you look at it, right? If you're looking at it through the prism of our current culture and society and transgender and, and you know, there are now how many genders are there? 60 something genders. This is confusing for a lot of people. Um, this, especially for old folks, it kind of, gets their dander up. Like, what do you mean? There's, there should only be two genders. You know, what's this transgender and, you know, all these other things, right? A lot of people struggle with it. And they begin projecting that struggle into other areas of society. That's why they have to have bathrooms recategorized. And, and, and now they want to, you know, Trump wants to ban, you know, he did ban transgender from serving in the military. But what are the military fighting for? Think about this. We talk about it a lot. The military are fighting to keep America free. The military are for freedom, America. They're for fighting for liberty. That's the whole, that's what they, that's part of the military propaganda, right? Now we can debate that and what they're doing in the foreign policy, but that's the message that they're there fighting for freedom. So if we are a nation that embraces freedom, why would we prevent someone who happens to be transgender from serving in the military? If they have the capability to pick up a rifle or, or to run a computer or to provide um, medical assistance or to serve in any capacity in the military, if we are a nation that is all about liberty, why would we be blocking people from participating in fighting for liberty? It's it's a contradiction. <laughs> so um, Biden is going to reverse that one, too. So there's going to be five, I guess, EOs he's going to flip. So it's going to be um, the rejoining the Paris Accord, 
rejoining the World Health Organization, repealing the legal immigration blockade on people from Muslim countries, reinstating DACA, and I think Dreamers goes with it, and then reversing the military ban on transgender. Okay, I don't like Biden. I told you that from the beginning, but I like this. I like all five of these ideas, and that's great. Now, Biden will be a mixed bag. We know that. Uh, Maura Larkins uh, chimes in on the on the podcast and she says, good points, exclamation. Thank you. And uh, Jamie Tobit says, your voice impressions are cracking me up. Thanks, Jamie. Um, I should have you on on this podcast. Jamie is a is a. Um, is part of the Star Wars community here in San Diego and does awesome things, uh, working with other Star Wars enthusiasts, doing things in the community with children. I would, Jamie, I would love to have you as a guest on the podcast and we could talk about just that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to amplify my voice a little bit. I figure I have to have a little bit of levity in this podcast. At least that'll make it a little more interesting to people to, to listen to and watch. Um, but, you know, here I am, I'm ranting about liberty and, you know, you hear a lot of this from our friends on the right. You know, they're carrying those placards, say, America, freedom, liberty. But again, a lot of times they want freedom and liberty for themselves, but not for these other people, the dreamers, the DACAs, the transgenders and the military. Um, I'm for liberty for everybody. You know, that's why I say this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are the inalienable rights that we all have. And not just Americans, but everybody. You know, the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal and really means all humans, men and women and, and, and the other 62 genders. that We're all equal. We're all equal. If you're religious, we're all equal in the eyes of God. But from a secular perspective, we should all be equal in the eyes of authority, the eyes of government. We should all be treated equally. Equal rights, right? That applies to everyone. Okay, that's why these rights are inalienable. So I'm a big supporter of this because I believe your life is yours to live. You, sh you own you. You own your life. You should be able to go out and live your life and prosper and pursue your happiness and take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way and pursue what's of interest to you and pursue the career of your dreams. And people shouldn't be able to tell you, no, you can't do it. You know, you should be able to pursue your dreams, just like the dreamers, right? We all have those. We all should have the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pat Johnson responds on the podcast live stream. Being a retired veteran, I won't voice my opinion on the transgender issue, but I will say one of the reasons for the ban was the Department of Defense were paying for the transition and people were joining just to get a transition paid for, which I disagree with. Now, Pat, I agree with you on that point. Um, in my opinion, uh, if you want to have a gender change, that's, yeah, that's, that's up to you. You know, you want to do that, but it's also, you know, within the prerogative of those providing insurance to decide that maybe that is not something insurance should cover. Um, and that's a debatable point, you know, like cosmetic surgery, as an example, is often not covered by a lot of healthcare insurance policies. Now, I'm sure if you're willing to pay more, you can have a lot of those, those types of coverage. 
if people were joining the military just so they can have a transgender operation, that's obviously manipulating the intent. I, I understand that. But again, it's confusing right now. This the whole notion of gender identity is a confusing thing for a lot of people. Um, for many people, they're learning how to understand it and understand what pronouns to use. Uh, by the way, I noticed that Kamala Harris's Twitter feed on her bio, she says her preferred pronouns are she and hers, <laughs> just so there's no misunderstanding. But uh, yeah, now, you know, again, Pat, you and I may have a separate conversation offline about how what the introduction of transgender is like in the military. I'm curious to think, what has it been just having women in the in the um, in the military? How I mean, I'm, obviously it's been disruptive, right? Having women in the military because you have to have separate quarters and there's different things that you have to do. But really, how was it negatively disruptive or was it just uncomfortable change? Is that true with transgender too? You know, so again, interesting topics. But I think I think people should be able to live their life as they see fit. And if that means you want to live a life as a transgender, man, go for it, man. It's your life. Live it. You only live once, man. YOLO. Live it to the extreme. Use a military phrase. Be all that you can be, baby. That's what America should be about. We should be celebrating liberty. And that's why it's so darn important to me. But I hear people sometimes will say, you don't have inalienable rights. Inalienable rights are a lie. They don't really exist. The only rights that exist is the rights the government creates for you, like the right to vote. But that's not true, man. Our rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness pre-exist the government. Many people think they're natural rights. Some call it natural law. But it's unquestionably true. It's objective. It's factual that you are in charge of your life. You can decide. You have the ability to think. You have the ability to speak. You have the ability to move, to act, and to do so without asking permission of some authority. That in and of of itself shows that you have these natural rights because you need that ability to think and to act so you can survive. That's what humans need to do is survive. In order to survive, you have to have the ability to think and to act and to pursue your own values so you can survive. So we absolutely have a right to our own life. That's why slavery is immoral and should be banned forever from society because that means you don't own your own life, that someone else owns it. So our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this existed before Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson and you know our founding fathers. Our, the, the philosophers of the Age of Enlightenment, like John Locke, you know, they, they talked a great deal about this. And you can go back further to Aquinas and even go back further to Aristotle and these same ideas, although perhaps less um, less refined, um, have been discussed for uh, thousands of years because your life is yours to live. And that's why this is so important. That's why it's so important that I think we have to have leaders that embrace 
our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In my opinion, that's a way the nation can come together. And then once you have that framework, making decisions on things like DACA or Dreamers or immigration, it's easy because it's everything's aligned. It all works. Pat Johnson says, uncontrovertible, uncontrovertible change, but needed. Glad it happened. Um, yeah, I, we're talking here about transgender in the military. Um, yeah, it was change. Change is hard. We're seeing this in our hometown of Poway with development on Poway Road. Now the, the farm in Poway was just passed. There's going to be development in the northern part of Poway. A lot of objection, people bristling. Change is hard. Change in the military is hard, but change often is healthy and it's how we get better. It's how we improve because if we stay in our comfort zone and we're never uncomfortable, then we don't progress and we just remain stuck and nothing ever happens. We don't move forward. So change is important. Um, But yeah, you know, uh, you think about the immigrants, they came to America Back, you know, people talk about the the um, the robber barons of the 19th century and the Industrial Revolution and how it was damaging to workers' rights and how it was such an awful time in American history. But do you realize that back in those in that time frame, you know, the kind of the time between the Civil War and World War One, people from all over the world flocked to America to seek opportunity and to seek liberty. Now, granted, America wasn't perfect, still not perfect now. But compared to what the societies they were living, leaving, they were being oppressed. They were subjects of kings and dictators and authoritarians. They were trapped in, in, in very um, you know, top-heavy, restrictive cultures that prevented their ability to worship who they wanted or just to be free. Women had no ability to be free. They came to America and they had a little bit of freedom. They had an opportunity to have a farm, grow their own food and build a business. People came not just from Europe, but people came from Asia. You ever seen the show? um, uh, What was it called? Hell on Wheels. What a great TV program that is. It was on AMC. It's on Netflix. It's about the building of the Transcontinental Railroad. And there we see immigrants from, you know, the Scandinavian countries that were involved in the building of the railroad. We see you know, freed slaves that were involved in the building of the railroad. We see Confederate soldiers and and uh, northern soldiers that were involved in the building of the railroad. But we also saw the Chinese that came to America and helped build the railroad. And the Chinese ca- came here to to live a life of liberty. And granted, they were not treated properly. And eventually they had the immigration blockade on them. Um, The the immigration acts that prevented more Chinese that came here. It was terrible. I mean, it was a violation of our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But still many Chinese people came here and they prospered. I mean, heck, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Chinatown there has been thriving for as long as I've been alive. And now more and more Chinese have immigrated to America and have prospered and have thrived. And that's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, So we just need to embrace liberty as much as we can. Now, the other part of liberty that I think is worth talking about, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with this podcast. I talk about politics, but I want to talk about ways that we can improve your life and improve your business. And now is a great time, man, to start your own company. It's never been easier. 
There's never been more opportunity to start your own business today. With the internet, it's unbelievable. I want to tell a story that I did in the early 90s. And this was in the infancy of the internet. And this is back, I don't know if you remember, uh, you know, um, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, who has his, his TV show um, on ABC late night. He and Adam Carolla, those two guys, Adam Carolla now, is, he's, got his, he's got a big time podcast. Um, those two guys had the man show. Do you remember that? And it was a very sexist show, uh, but it was all about dudes, you know, guys being dudes and, uh, you know, beer drinking and the whole thing, you know, it was the whole guy thing. I created a website called ultimateguy.com. And this was like in 1998, I think. Maybe 90, no, no, it was like 97. And Yahoo, um, back when Yahoo was like a thriving uh, internet company, um, had created their own shopping mall and made it really easy for people to start their own business and to sell products online. And I did that. And I was very successful with it. And it was a fun, it was a fun store to build because it was all kind of guy stuff. And I had... Um, I had a wide selection of, of boxer shorts, um, all kinds of novelty TV remote controls that look like footballs or Star Trek phasers. Um, Jamie Tobit talking about, I remember ultimate guy. Yeah. And I sold urinals online. Um, I sold, uh, like these devices that you can put over a beer bottle and just hit it and the bottle cap would fly off. Um, all kinds of just clever, a lot of it sort of like fraternity stuff, but a lot of it just kind of clever, fun stuff. And, and it did well. Um, this, it was, it, it got picked up. I was interviewed on probably 20 different morning shows all around the United States talking about ultimate guy. I had these barbecues that were shaped like a keg. And you can get officially licensed NFL logos on them. Um, and it was so easy to start. It was unbelievable. And what I did is I was able to build relationships with all these, these smaller companies that were selling product. And um, I was able to buy wholesale and sell retail. And in many cases, I never had to take inventory of the product at all. They would drop ship for me. So it was pain free. You know, I get an order. You know, and it would cost me, I'll make these numbers up, 15 bucks. I'd sell it for 25. I keep $10. And I never had to take on inventory. And I never had to be hassled with the fulfillment and the shipping. Someone else did that. Now, I had a little bit of that. There were some partners that wouldn't play along. Um, and I had to inventory some product, but it was really small and it wasn't that big of a deal. And the reason I think it was successful is because it was a niche. It was just really focused on an idea. It was focused on this idea of going after men that loved living in man caves and that wanted to have a place to drink beer and hang out with their buddies and watch football games, whether they are, you know, in their early 20s or in their 50s. And, you know, they just want to have a place where guys can be guys. Um, and they wanted to have products that they could, you know, accessorize themselves with. It was funny. The boxer shorts that we had were 
anti-wedgie technology boxer shorts because there was no seam up the butt. <laughs> but the boxer shorts, boxer shorts had like um, imprints of dogs and beer bottles and all kinds of fun things. Um, I sold Hawaiian T-shirts, but again, the Hawaiian T-shirts were embracing cars or or Vegas or other kinds of like guy ideas. And I, I'll tell you this, I ended up shutting it down probably in 01, 02. And see, by this time we had two children and I was working full time. My two children are starting to, you know, they were no longer in the crib they, so that you had to spend a lot more time as a parent. Um, I just couldn't balance it all. And I look back on that and I think that was a missed opportunity. That was something that I could have continued doing. This was at the infancy of e-commerce. I mean, Amazon was barely even a thing back then. Um, this was very innovative at the time. Um, I, I do look back on that and say, hey, you know, I probably should have stuck with it. Even though I wasn't making a million dollars with Ultimate Guy, I was there in e-commerce at its infancy. And who knows what it could have turned into. It could have been something far bigger, far grander. My career could have gone in other directions. I ended up closing it because I just ran out of time and I had to prioritize as a father. Um, I, with my, my day job and my wife and children, you know, you just got to make tough calls sometimes. And, um, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that it's never been easier now to start your own business. There are tools online like ClickFunnels and Kartra, um, email campaign platforms that you could use. It's so easy to build websites, to build sales funnels, to generate leads. There are countless companies that are out there that are selling product, that are looking for people to be resellers of their product. There are products that are being made overseas that are being imported and American distributors are looking for resellers and retailers to provide these products. There are opportunities to create your own products. There are opportunities to sell yourself. Maybe you work for a company and you have certain skills as a computer programmer or you have certain skills in the real estate industry or you have certain skills as a bookkeeper and you're working for a company, you're working for the man. You can create your own business very quickly selling your services and create a side hustle for yourself that could turn into a full-time gig. That's what I did. So I have my own business, my own consulting business. It started as a side hustle. I had my day job and this is, I was doing my day job. I was doing ultimate guy. I was a parent with two very young children under the age of four. And I was doing, uh, moonlighting, um, in, in the world of direct marketing. And that business took on, you know, became more and more successful and, that's another reason why I stopped doing ultimate guy. And it got to the point where I quit my day job as a, as a middle manager for a large corporation and went out on my own. And now I'm doing better than I ever have. Um, and I'm happy for it. And I have more control over my life, my work life balance. I'm making more money. It's all good. So there's an opportunity there. I think for people to embrace Liberty, embrace capitalism, embrace free markets, to believe in yourself, to, to get, to take pride in what you know and what you've learned and to acknowledge the skills that you have and put them into motion to either sell products from other companies or to create your own products, or just simply to put a shingle up and, and offer your services to people 
at an attractive rate, you'll be surprised at the opportunity. So that's why, again, I'm big on deregulation. I think it's important that we have a society and, a, and, a, and an economy that makes it easy for entrepreneurs to innovate and to be in business for themselves. And I think that will ultimately is how we win as a nation. It's how we win as individuals is if we have the liberty to pursue our own happiness and to and to find a way to merge what you love and what you do in your career. Imagine working in an oppressive authoritarian regime. You could never do that. Have a career that's aligned with what you love. But now, thanks to Jimmy Carter, people that love beer have created their own breweries and have thrived and have prospered. I mean, I know a family here in Poway was one of the founders of Stone Brewing. Uh, their children played Little League with my son. What a great family they are. But they prospered because Jimmy Carter deregulated beer about 40 years ago. Just wonderful, wonderful stories. So um, this podcast is all about Joe Biden and liberty. And in some cases, Biden is implementing more liberty. You know, he's undoing the anti-freedom uh, policies of Trump and opening up America to immigration to legal immigrants from other countries that President Trump blocked and to opening up America to DACA and to dreamers so that they can live the American dream just like our ancestors did. And that is what makes America great. That's what makes America beautiful. So if you want to continue the conversation, join me on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to my email list at johnreillyproject.com. But now I got a closing quote, and this is a little bit of a different angle. I want to talk about Alex Trebek. And, you know, Alex Trebek, the longtime host of Jeopardy, passed away. I know he was suffering from cancer and uh, he was, you know, he had his troubles, but he was a fighter and he was out there, you know, working hard, even as he was overcoming cancer. But cancer finally got the best of him and he passed away. And I think he was 80 years old, which is awesome. I love to be I live a life of at least 80 years. Um, but it's been amazing. The outpouring of love for Alex Trebek. Um, I've seen people talk about how Alex Trebek was like their friend who was in their living room every night when they watched Jeopardy. Other people talking about Alex Trebek that helped them um, take an interest in learning and education and wanting to be better and wanting to be smarter. I saw a clip um, online today of a contestant on Jeopardy that said that by watching Jeopardy, that helped this person learn to speak English. This is the kind of effect that Alex Trebek has had. And then, of course, we can't forget the the um, the celebrity Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live. It, you know, it wasn't Alex Trebek, but, you know, it was a derivative of his work. And that brought us so much fun and joy and entertainment. But it's amazing that Alex Trebek's passing hasn't just been like another game show host, you know, talking about game show hosts and our president, but. It hasn't been like the loss of another celebrity. It's been, he's a special guy. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I was on a game show once. Back in 1988, I was on Scrabble. And uh, Chuck Woolery was the host. 
And if you follow Chuck Woolery, he's a hardcore Trump guy, a Republican. He's very outspoken on politics. Um, but I was, I won a thousand bucks on that. I, I should have done better. I got smoked in the, uh, in the speed round. But, uh, anyways, Alex Trebek. Yeah. So anyways, two quotes from Alex Trebek that I want to share. The first one is, I'm curious about everything, even subjects that don't interest me. That's great. And that was one of the reasons I started this podcast, because I'm curious about a lot of things. And yeah, we talk about politics, but we've done podcasts about homelessness, about Corvettes. We've done podcasts about sports, um, podcasts about, um, you know, just medical, a medicine, um, you know, Pete Neal was on and we talked about, um, some of the work that he's doing in the medical technology. I mean, I'm just naturally curious about a lot of things. That's the reason I started this podcast to interview interesting people. And now we're getting beyond politics, the elections in our rearview mirror. And so I'm looking forward to doing more of that. But the second quote from Alex Trebek really hit home with me because this is exactly what I'm going through now as a person in my mid fifties. And I kind of alluded to a little bit of this in the podcast already. Alex Trebek said, when you're in your thirties and actively pursuing a career and a home life, a wife and children, you're busy doing as opposed to busy thinking. You know, you're busy doing as opposed to being busy thinking as you get older, even as you don't have as much time, I think you tend to think more and reflect more on what is happening in your own life. And that's very true for me. Um, And I've commented a lot about this in this podcast, different things I'm learning and understanding, things that in my 30s, I was going at light speed and was just trying to keep up with everything. Now, looking back, I look, I can see my life through a different lens and I can understand why certain things are the way they are. I can understand why I did certain things in my life and I can now see things more clearly as an older person. I think this is a human thing. We all do this, but Alex Trebek recognized it as well. And I just thought that was an apropos quote because it's something that I'm going through and Alex Trebek has gone through too. So rest in peace, Alex Trebek, one of the all time greats. One of the, I mean, really, if you know, you pursue a career, be the best you can be. I don't think there was anyone better at what he did than Alex Trebek. So he'll be a big loss. Curious to know what the people that run Jeopardy, what are they going to do? Can Alex Trebek be replaced? They'll probably find someone, but I don't think he'll he'll ever live up to the standard of Alex Trebek. So anyways, um, yeah, this is a life podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. We live stream on Facebook and YouTube, and we invite your participation. I want to thank you very much for spending time with us here. Episode 187 of the John Riley Project. Be safe out there, friends, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.